0: All right, y'all ready for the word today? Yes. Hallelujah! Can y'all stand to your feet with me one more time? I don't know what time you normally get finished here, but I know what time I'm getting finished. So uh, anyway, uh, I have a word that I've just—I really believe God has given me to invest this in you today, and. Um, And I'm calling this message today just simply Born to Overcome, Born to Overcome. In 1 John 5, 4, it says this. John said, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Let's pray. Father, I lift this before you and I ask you to take this message and you wield it in me by the power of your Holy Spirit. God, may you pierce the hearts of my brothers and sisters with this word. God, may it be like an arrow going into their soul and pulling out what needs to be pulled out, God, and injecting what needs to be put in, Lord God. Father, let faith arise in this house today. God, in every person, God, that they may know, God, that all that hell is throwing against them is no match for your mighty power. In the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you, God, that today that discouragement and oppression and, and, and depression and all of those things, fears, God, we thank you, God, that those things will be eradicated by your word. Late faith come today, God, that people may rise up in victory and stand and put their foot on the head of the enemy that's been chasing them around, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name, and everybody shout amen. 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 All right, you can be seated. Here's the way I want to begin. Listen very carefully. You know, as I speak today, I want to invest in this church as a church. I want to invest in your life individually as a Christian. And I will say, first of all, as a church, that, that there's a handful of things, just a handful of things that every body of believers needs to have in 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 their culture in their experience of that church if if they're going to be a people who are going to take territory for the kingdom of God and push back the gates of hell and take over a city or a county or an area for Jesus is this one of those kind of places yeah, yeah. yeah. and and if you're going to be that there's just a handful of things that each church has to have and one of those is is a church a church like that has to have in the very fi- fiber of his existence, a culture of of faith, a spirit of faith. There has to be this spirit in the church that when you come together, there is this belief that anything could happen, that God is about to break out on every side, that it's not a mere wish or a hope or a mere pipe dream, but there's this sense, this conviction in the souls, the hearts of the people that God is about to do something that is going to, take back territory from the enemy in the area and is going to advance his kingdom through this people that kind of culture has to be in the people but in your individual life as a christian it's not enough to be a part of a church or a people who believe that but your life depends upon it as a christian you are born to take territory from the devil not to be run around by him It says in this passage, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Simple little statement. Most Christians know that statement. But you must understand that God is not loose with language in his scripture. And it fascinates me what he says here. He doesn't say whatever is born of God. And he's speaking of us, right? Those who are born again. We are born of God. Whatever is born of God, you and I overcomes. He doesn't say whatever is born of God will overcome the world. He doesn't say that you should overcome the world. He said overcomes. This is that that the verb tense that I don't even know what it's called, but it's present, continuous. Is that what it is? Something like that. Y'all don't know either, do you? All right. (laughs) Anyway, it it doesn't, it says he who is whatever is born of God overcomes. Overcomes means presently overcoming, but it means tomorrow continuing to overcome. And next year, continue to He who is whatever is born of God overcomes, is continually overcoming the world. And when you understand that, listen to this. You understand that you were born as an overcomer. This is not an assignment that he's given us. It's not a commission. It's not a promise. It's a statement of fact. Don't miss this. Whoever is born again, born of God, overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Look at this passage over here in Genesis in the very beginning of Scripture and watch this. In Genesis 1, God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air. And he goes on and on and on. Basically, it's have dominion over the earth. Now, listen to this. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. It struck me. I thought, all right, where do we go back to to confirm that? And if we go all the way back to the beginning, what we find is this. When God decided to design and create man, make man, the first thing he says, the first thing that comes out of his mouth is, let that man have dominion. Now, it blows my mind when I think that of all the things that God could have said, he could have said, let that man love. Let him be holy. Let that man be faithful. But the, fir- the only thing he says is we're going to make man. Let's make him in our image. And I'll tell you what, the kind of man or woman I want them to be. I want them to be men and women who are born to exercise dominion. And when I understand that, and I couple that with this passage in, where it says, and whatever is born of God overcomes the world, I understand that overcoming, living in victory in our family life, in our career, in our finances, in our physical bodies, in our world, in every area of our life, living and walking in victory and overcoming the things that the devil throws at us is not just a promise that we claim. You see, it's wrong whenever we just take Scriptures out of the Bible. You know, like we do, we'll say, the famous one is Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. And we take these Scriptures and we use them almost like as a like a vitamin or a little energy pill, you know, that we take them for encouragement. You know, you see guys with their foot, in the NFL with their football, uh, football players who have written in black on their faces, Philippians 4.13. And to them, or they maybe they have it on the wall in their locker room, and to them, all it is is it's like a, a bit of positive thinking. It's something to encourage them. You know, oh, yeah, I'm pumped up, man. This pumps me up. I can do all things through Christ. And I'm going to tell you something. If you simply use Scripture to pump you up, it will never accomplish, you'll never accomplish what God's called you to accomplish. Because this is not about working yourself into a state of emotional ec- ecstasy or emotional high. You're with me now. You know, some Christians, you know, they come in one day and they're all high. Ah, it's because they got a good doctor's report. They come in next week, oh, down the dumps. Why? They got a bad doctor's report. Everything is based upon the information of the moment. And people like that use scriptures or promises just to encourage them or pump them up. When you understand the nature of these statements, whatever is born of God. Overcomes the world. And you, in the beginning, God created man. And he said, Let them have dominion. You understand that that overcoming is not just an assignment or a commission or something to encourage you. He's saying, Your DNA is it bred in your DNA, is the very nature of victory and overcoming. That's who you are. Are you with me now? Now you say, Listen to this. Listen to this. When you understand that, then you begin to understand why when people live defeated lives or weak lives, impotent lives, lives not full of trouble, not externally, but inside, just trouble. You understand why those people who live those weak, defeated lives seem to always be conflicted internally. They're filled with all kinds of discombobulance, a dissonance in their soul. They're, it's like there's, things aren't in alignment. It's like that's why fears come in. That's why cares come in. That's why worries come in. That's why they're discouraged. That's why they're depressed. That's why they're negative. That's why they're cynical. Are you with me now? you with me? It's because, listen to this, when you are living defeated and with a, a, a mindset, an eternal mindset of weakness and defeat, you are living in disagreement to your nature or the way God has designed you. And therefore, you're out of alignment. Are you with me now? You're living out of alignment. And that's where there's all, why there's all this dissonance in your soul, discord, disharmony, all those disses in your soul. Are you with me now? So my point is this, and don't miss this. When I talk about that you were designed to overcome, to live, he who was born of God overcomes the world, that that overcoming has nothing whatsoever to do with what is happening to you on the outside. It has nothing to do with your circumstances. Because as soon as I talk about these and preach this, you know, some people will think, oh, Rick, no, that's not right. We don't always overcome every day. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Sometimes you walk in victory, sometimes you don't. We all know that we face things. I'm not saying that we don't face things. You will face trouble in this world. Jesus promised it. You will face tribulation. You will have setbacks. You will have circumstances that will turn against you and people that will turn against you. But the kind of overcoming that I'm talking about, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. What he's talking about there is not your circumstances you walk in. He's talking about your internal nature that you live in. A spirit of victory and overcoming has nothing to do with what you're going through. Your temporal circumstances have nothing to do with whether you're walking in victory and overcoming or not. It has to do not with the weather around you, but the weather that's inside of you. Come on, give the Lord praise in this place. So, we were, I'm excited about this. I don't know if y'all are not, but I'm a... Woo! Hallelujah. Let me tell you this before I go on. You know, talking about circumstances, look, again, I, when I think is, I think of two things. This church, where you're headed, there will be obstacles. There will be challenges. There will be moments when it seems like you're blowing it out and you're tearing it up and succeeding. There will be other moments where it seems like you had a setback. But the thing is, or in your personal life, it's the same way. But the thing is, is that those things have nothing to do with where you're headed they have nothing to do with whether or not you are going to accomplish what God's called you to accomplish. The only thing that determines whether you will end up getting where God wants you to go and doing what God wants you to do and have what God wants you to have, it's determined by what goes on on the inside of you. Whatever is born of God, he's talking about DNA there. The spirit of victory has to pervade your soul regardless of what you're experiencing on the outside. You know, it's always intrigued me, you know, when you look at millionaires, millionaires, that a millionaire is a millionaire whether they have a million in their pocket or not a dime. The story of many millionaires is they have had it and lost it, some of them several times or more. Now I think, how do you do that when most people can't make a million one time? And these guys make it over and over, and then they lost it. You know Why? It's because when they lose it, go walk with them, have a cup of coffee with them, and they talk like a millionaire when they don't have a dime. They act like a millionaire when they don't have a dime. A millionaire is not what they have in their pocket. It's who they are on the inside. Are you with me now? And I think that, and in the converse of that, I think about poverty. You take someone who's been raised only knowing poverty all their life, and then the, Y'all still with me today? And then they win the lottery. And y'all watch documentaries about this. Almost every time someone who's been raised just in poverty, they win the lottery, win 10 million bucks. Five, 10 years later, they go back and they've lost every dime of it. And they have reverted back to where they were. What they've reverted back to is they reverted back to how they saw themselves because they may have had 10 million in the bank, but 10 million wasn't inside of here. They still, even with 10 million, they still saw themselves. They saw themselves as a victim, as poor, as weak. And all the things around them gravitated back toward to what ruled the inside of their spirit. Y'all listen to what I'm saying now. Oh, this is good. I'm telling you, this will help you. So anyway, I almost fell off the platform. There you go. That'd be a real revelation, wouldn't it? Now, here's here's what I want you to do. Look at Luke chapter 4. Look at Luke chapter 4, and look at this. This is where, you know, look, Jesus is... Taken up in the wilderness by the devil. And the devil's tempting him. And and so here's what it says. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Let's just stop there just for a moment and just look at me. We're going to look at that scripture again, but look at this. This. show him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Notice in 1 John 5, 14, where he said, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. He didn't say whatever is born of God overcomes just sickness or financial difficulty, you know, or your present circumstances. He said, the DNA in you is to overcome the world. Well, what does that mean? We know it doesn't mean that you're to conquer the world, I mean the whole world. When you look at that world, it says, he who, whatever is born of God, overcomes the world there is a word that means this present age or world system. Now, think with me just a moment. Most of the battle that you will fight all of your life to fulfill what God has designed you to be and what he's called you to do is the battle over whether you will listen to the world system or whether you'll listen to God's system. Do you all realize that there are two systems? That there is earth's system, the world system, and then there is heaven's system. And what this book is, is this book is a revelation of heaven's system. Now listen to this. You know, I think about people, there's a lot of Christians that they get saved, oh, I'm saved, forgiven, and I'm on my way to heaven, thank God. And that's about all they know. They don't know anything else. And I think, when I think of that, I think, well, first of all, what I think, to be honest with you, I think, man, you know, if that's what it, all there was, then when if we had an altar call here, you know, and people come up to get saved today, we ought to just have a little shotgun back here and just shoot them and Send them on to heaven because look, look, why stay here and have to deal with all this mess? Let's just do you a favor. Don't worry. You know, if that's what it's all about, if that's all it was about, say, forgiven. On my way to heaven, then tell me why in the world God would need to give us 66 books. (laughs) It doesn't take you 66 books to tell you you're saved, forgiven, and going to heaven. We could do that in about a page. God gives us 66 books because what these 66 books are is this is God's handbook for how to live in this present world system, but live it from heaven system in this world. Ah, I like that. And there are many people that don't live according to heaven system because they don't even know there is another system. They don't know that this thing is a handbook that that is laying out a design. It's laying out principles and truths and laws that govern the way God thinks about about your life in this world. The way he wants you to talk, the way he wants you to think, the way he wants you to act. There's all kinds of things in this book about about the heaven system that rules your relationships, that rules your finances, that rules your physical body, that rules everything in your life. And the point is simply this, Our entire the reason God told Joshua in Joshua 1, he said, Joshua, you set out to fulfill what I've promised you and called you to do in your life and promised to give in your life. He said, the one thing you need to do is you need to meditate in the word of God day and night. Do not let your eyes depart from it. Observe to do according to all that's written therein. Why? It's not about just following a bunch of rules and regulations. God says, I want you to so immerse your spiritual senses in the truths and the laws of heaven's system to where that even though you live physically in this world system, you can overcome this world system by living out of heaven's system in the world. You say, oh, wait a minute, that still don't make sense to me. Let me give you an example. There are many principles or rules that, that govern this world system, but one of them... One of them is selfishness. Selfishness rules this world system. And so every time I live or act out of selfishness, I am lowering myself from heaven system and functioning under the laws of, of, of this world system. When the Bible says whatever is born of God overcomes the world, this is exactly what it means. It means that whenever someone is in a situation where they have an opportunity to look out for themselves first or to bless somebody else. If they live according to heaven system, they will live as a giver. They will live generous, trying to bless others, knowing that that will cause them to overcome the system of this world. There's a constant pull coming at you to operate under the system of this world. And the only way you can conquer it is to live by heaven system. I want to show you that. Look at this. This is so powerful. uh, Where did I tell you to go? Luke chapter 4, right? That's a good place. Luke chapter 4. Look at this. Now, this is powerful. Watch this. And the devil taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Watch this. So, he's looking. He's taking Jesus. He said, Jesus, see all this. That's the way the devil does to us. He's always looking. He said, look, see all this. I'll give you all this. You can have all this. And he says, and the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you and their glory. In other words, it's interesting. He didn't just say, I'll give you this stuff. He said, I'm going to give you the authority and the glory of all of these things. Now, watch this. In the world, as we, as we live in the world, there's a lot of things that we want that have glory on them, a lot of things that we want that, that are very appealing to us in this world, and Satan is constantly luring us, trying to get us to go after those things indiscriminate of God's will for our lives. Now, watch this. It's what the devil is doing. He said, all this authority I will give you in the glory, for this has been delivered to me. And I give it to whomever I wish. In other words, see, God gave it to Adam, right? We saw that in the beginning. God gave it to Adam. When Adam sinned, he hands it over to the devil. Why does he hand it? How does he hand it over to the devil? He didn't do it just by saying, oh, here, devil, I want to hand you the authority of the earth. He did it because, listen, whoever you, Romans 6 says, whoever you yield yourselves to to obey, you become that one slave. And so Satan had it rightfully. And he said, I'll give it to whomever I wish. And I thought about this. I says, why was, how, why was Satan willing to give to Jesus? If I, if I had it, I think I'm going to keep it. If I was the devil, I mean, he's a selfish guy. He wasn't being generous. Why was he going to give it to Jesus? Now watch this. You ready for this? And their glory has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Are you ready for this? Here's the deal, Jesus All I ask is, therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. I love this. Listen to this. Jesus said, all I'm asking you to do, and you can have everything you want in the world, all I'm asking you to do is just worship me. Now, there is the game changer. Why? Listen to this. Because if Jesus would have bowed and worshipped Satan, he would have gotten all the kingdoms of this world. He would have gotten them all the kingdoms with their glory, the kingdoms of this world. But because whomever you worship, you become that one slave. Jesus would have gotten the kingdoms of the world, what had been promised him originally. But he would have been under this, under the authority of Satan. So in other words, there is a way for you to end up getting what you want. But when you get it, you never get to enjoy it because you become a slave of the world and the spirit of the world once you get what you want. Sometimes it takes people getting what they want to find out it's not what they needed. You ever wonder why many times there's unanswered prayer? I love that great spiritual song by Garth Brooks. Thank God for unanswered prayer. Many times, it's unan- there's unanswered prayer because James 4 says that when we pray, many times we don't get what we ask for because we ask amiss. It means we don't, you know what it means? In my translation, it means we don't have a stupid idea what we're talking about. You know, folks, listen to this. With our little pea brains, half the time, we don't even know what we need, let alone what we want. Now, listen to this. So, anyway, <laughs> so anyway, listen. To this. So, whenever we, whenever Satan says to Jesus, he says, he said, you bow down and worship me, and I'll give you all the kingdoms of this world. Here's the key. Listen to this. There was a great battle raging at that moment. But here was the battle. Listen. Satan was offering to Jesus, You ready for this? Satan was offering to give Jesus what God the Father had already promised to give him. Here's one of the great tests many times in overcoming the world. It's not when Satan offers you something that you're not supposed to have. It's when he offers you something God wants you to have, but he's offering you to get it A different way than God's designed for you to get it. In other words, you end up getting what God wants, but you get it the wrong way, and so it becomes a problem. If you don't believe that, ask Abraham. God promised him a son, and Abraham got impatient. That's the number one reason why we end up getting things that God ultimately wants for us, but we end up getting the wrong way. is because we become impatient. And God decides, I mean, Abram, his wife decides to say, hey, let's come in with this idea. Let's get, you know, our concubine here, you know, and get her in here and Hagar and have her lay with you and you'll have a son. Sounds like a great idea. Listen to this. Because didn't God promise? Now, folks, just listen to me. I've heard so many Christians talk like that, say, well, you know what? But didn't God promise this? I'm supposed to have it. But the thing is, is that we need to ask ourselves the question when we ask, what does God want us to have? At the same time, we need to ask ourselves, when does God want us to have it and how does he want us to have it? How does he want us to get it? We are good at times knowing what God wants us to have, but we're not very good at knowing what God's timing is. So anyway, Abraham ends up having Ishmael. And the trouble we're having in the Middle East today is still because Isaac and Ishmael, the brothers fighting against each other. Y'all out there. My point is this. Listen to this. When Satan says to Jesus, he said, if you'll just worship me, that's all I want. Then I'll give you all this. And Jesus knew that this is what God had already promised him. So here was the battle. The battle was. Do I get what God ultimately promised for me? Listen to this. If I get it Satan's way, I get it now. But if I get it God's way, I have to wait until he goes through his processes. Listen. And, folks, listen. You know something about God's processes? Jesus knew that those processes, some of them are going to be very ugly. One of them was going to be a cross. You listen to that. There's always an easy way to get what we want. And then there's God's way. You say, well, why don't we take the easy way? Because if you take the easy way, the easy way gets it now, for you now. But it ends up getting it. You get it with bondage. You get it with slavery. You end up, it never satisfies you. You end up getting where you wanted to go. You get the job you wanted to have. And then it's not what you thought it was. You end up getting the money or the wealth you wanted to have, and it doesn't do for you what you thought it would do. You end up getting that house or that car or whatever it is, and it ends up. Now you're unhappy because you had to go so far in debt to get it. Thank you for your tremendous response. (laughs) Jesus knew the battle was, listen, Satan's offering me nothing different than what God's already promised to me. All he's offering me is a way to get it now. But if I, if, see, if I conquer and overcome that rule of the spirit of the world system that is called self gratification, where I have to have what I want now, if I can overcome that and submit myself to heaven's system then I will go through some stuff that I ordinarily wouldn't have to go through. But in the end, I'm going to get what all that God wants for me in my life and become all God wants me to be. But in the end, I'm also going to be free in the process. I'm going to be whole I'm going to have liberty in my soul. Can I tell you something, folks? Of all the things that God can give you, there is nothing better than to have a spirit of liberty and freedom in your soul where you are not bound to any man. You are not subservient to any institution, to where you are not slavery, to any kind of addiction, any kind of of chain to uh, strapping your soul. To be free is the greatest thing in the world. Wow. To be free. And Jesus knew that was the battle. And I love it because Jesus says here, and Jesus answered and said to him, get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord God and him only shall you serve. Listen to me. Now. Listen to this. I love this. We need to learn something From Jesus' method of overcoming the spirit of the world, that whenever you are challenged and the enemy is tempting you with anything, to get anything other than God's way, then it's not enough just to say, no, no, I'm not going to do that. That's not enough. See, Jesus could have said, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. No, he didn't do that. He got his dandruff up. You know what that means, don't you? That's an old statement. you got to be a little older than you, Matt, to understand that. (laughs) We don't have dandruff anymore, do we? But anyway. Listen. In other words, he got stirred up and got righteous anger in his soul. And he turned to me and said, listen, you devil, get behind me. In other words, you know what he's saying? He said, get out of my face right now. Why? Because it is written. You know what he was doing? He was saying, devil, you are tempting me with the world system to get things God wants for me, but to get them the world's way. He says, you know what my challenge, you know what my, you know what my method of conquering your temptation is? As you offer me the world system, I hold up before you heaven system. And I, I stick this in your face. Because listen to me, listen to me. Those things that I see around me are facts. They are natural facts, circumstances, stuff that happens in my life. But this is the truth. And can I tell you that facts are different than the truth? Now, listen to this. I'm going to close off here in the next few minutes, but just listen to this. you got to get this. If you go to Romans chapter 4 and you find it, Jesus says, I mean not Jesus, but Paul, Paul says it. He said, talking about God and his deals with Abraham, it says, God said to Abraham, he said, I have made you a father of many nations. I have made you a father of many nations. And when we look at that, listen to this. I think of this, I think, how could God say that? Because at this moment, Abram was not a father. And he had no ability to become a father. And God said to him, past tense, I have made you a father of many nations. In fact, God was so determined about it that he changed Abram's name to Abraham, which meant a father of a multitude or exalted father. And and so God changed his name to call him what he promised him so that people wouldn't be speaking over him what the present circumstances were, but they would be speaking over him what God had ultimately seen for his life. You listen. To you listen, to listen. Listen. The Bible goes on Romans 4 to say this. It says that God, who calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Now just listen to me. Listen to this. Listen to this. I'm trying to tell you how Whatever is born of God overcomes the world, And, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. It takes faith in this system, in heaven's system, in this word, to conquer. It doesn't just take this word. It takes your faith, your confidence in this word. That this system is the way to go about business. That's why Jesus said it is written. Now, listen to this. God says... Concerning Abraham having a child, he said, I've made you. I have made you, Father of the Nations. And then he said, it says, God who calls those things which do not exist as they were. And I thought of this, man. I thought, how could God say that without lying? How can you say about a man who is not a father and who's so old that he can't have children? And you're saying, you're calling the things that do not exist. It says right there. It didn't say, well, it's like they don't. He said, they don't exist. And God calls things that don't exist as though they did. I thought, how do you do that without lying? You know how you do that without lying? It's because the Bible also says that God stands in a place where he sees the end from the beginning. You see, God doesn't operate in a linear timetable like we do. We were yesterday in the past. Today we're here. Tomorrow we'll be there. That's not God. God is infinite. God is eternal. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere at one time. He's infinite, so he's in everything, and everything's in him. He's eternal, which means he always was and he always will be. This is something you have to understand about God. When God, God is always presently standing in the past, the present, and the future. So when God promises you something, the moment he promises it, he's presently at the moment where he promised it, and at the same time, he's at the moment when that promise is fulfilled. That's how he can call those things which do not exist as though they did. He's not lying. He's already standing there at the moment the promise is fulfilled. You say, what does that have to do with me? All he's asking us to do, because we don't stand. We only stand here in the middle. So all he's asking is, since we don't see the end from the beginning, he says, here's the victory that will come to the world, your faith. All I'm asking you to do, since you don't see it and you don't stand there, is to believe that I stand there and believe I see what I see. He said, all I want you to do is to agree. So you don't see it, but I'm standing there. All I'm asking you to do is by faith, I want you to see what I'm telling you I see. So when you take this word and God, it's God speaking to you, what he's seeing from where he's standing. It's the reason First Peter 2.24 says, by his stripes you were past tense healed. It's because God is giving you a report of where he's standing down here at the moment that your healing is taking place. Are you with me now? So God's way down here at the moment when it's manifest. The the pain's gone. The miracle happens. The healing's taking place. And he's shouting back to you, hey, I'm standing down here. It's already done. You have been healed. And you're over here and you're saying, you're over here and you're saying, but I don't see it. He said, that's okay. I know you don't see it, but just believe what I see. Just see what I see. Ah. I like that. But God, no, 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 no. I'm telling you, I see it. Listen, we understand that's what God's doing. Then do we understand that when we look at him and say, well, I just don't know, that we are calling God a liar, that we put more faith in the word of man sometimes than we put in the word of God. If God says, my... If God says your needs shall be supplied according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus, then you understand that's God shouting back from the, over here, from the future, the moment, saying, "It's done. The miracle's coming. The breakthrough's coming. The promotion's coming. The victory's coming. It's done." And you're looking back over here and saying, "You get beat upside the head. You know, it's like, I oh don't, God, I don't feel it. But no, I believe what you see." You with me now? This word is not just a promise, it's a report of what God sees from where He stands. Ah, yeah. Come on, give the Lord praise in this place. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Neil, that was my introduction. Next year, I'll give you the, the first point. Let's all stand to our feet. I want to know, have you all been helped to here today? Come on, give the Lord a big praise in this place again. Hallelujah. 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 I just had a thought of something. I want you to do something before I wrap this up here. I, <clears throat> if I can find it here, just a second. I want you to make a, I want you to make a confession, a, a faith confession with me. I'm trying to find where I wrote it down here. It'll, Give me just one minute. Y'all giving me one minute? Because this one will be worth it. There it is right there. Listen to this. I want y'all to do this with me. Listen to this. Envision that this is, God is standing down there at the moment when the promise is fulfilled. Maybe you're going through financial difficulty and you mean you're going through it. Hear God shouting from the distance. Saying, it's done. Maybe you're going through physical illness. Maybe you've got a child who's rebelling against God. There's often all kinds of junk. You hear God shouting, saying, They're back. They're back. They're following me. And I want you to come into agreement with God. And I want you to make this confession. I want you to shout this out. Can you all say this with a spirit of victory, a strong spirit of faith and boldness? Just say this with me. Say this in the name of Jesus. Come on. I am a believer. I believe, God's word. I believe God's Word. I am what the Word says I am. I have what the Word says I have. I can do what the Word says I can do. What I can do. Come on now. Believe it. Believe it. Listen. In Jesus' name, In Jesus name I render ineffective, I render ineffective. Every, negative word I have every negative word I have spoken or that has been spoken over me. And every negative thing that I've thought, every word and thought that has been contrary to the truth of God's Word, from this moment forward, I will acknowledge only the good things that are in me in Christ Jesus. I am saying it now. Out of the good treasure of my heart, only good things will come to pass shout this out I am the righteousness of God I am a new creation an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus I have been delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear son I have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb and redeemed from the curse of the law redeemed from sickness and disease and poverty and death I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me I am more than a conqueror he never leaves me he never forsakes me the greater one lives within me so I can overcome every situation because the faith of God resides in me, and through it, I have victory that overcomes the world. Hallelujah. Y'all believe that today? Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. I just thank you, God, for your word that's gone forth today. And God, pierce the hearts of my brothers and sisters. Father God, you know what each person is challenged with or what they're going through. Father, I ask you now, God, to take and let this faith that's been rising in their heart during this message, God, let this become solidified in them. Lord God, let them step out today and make a decision that they are going to turn and not be ruled by this world system, by its fear, by its worry, by its depression, by its selfishness, God, but that they are going to rule over it. Father God, they are going to advance your kingdom and push back the gates of hell, that they are going to be a world changer, a conqueror in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for them. I want you to just have every head bowed a moment every eye closed. And i just like to ask you all over this place, listen, we're going to be closing out in a moment. I'm going to turn it back to Pastor Matt. But I just want to ask this one question. Listen to me. All of you here today, if you're here today and you say, I, I don't know where I stand with God, or you say, I, I don't know Christ, maybe you've never given your life to Christ, but maybe you have, but somewhere down the line, you've fallen away from God. You say, Pastor Rick, I want to come home to Jesus. I want to surrender my life to God. I believe his report. I want to walk in his will, in his kingdom, in his system. I want my life to be in his hands, my sins to be forgiven. On either account, if you're doing it for the first time or you're coming back like a prodigal son or daughter, if that's you all over the place, when I count to three, I just want you to lift your hand, and then we're going to pray together. Are you ready? Here we go. One. Get ready. Two. Come on, if you need Christ, give your life to Him. Three. Lift your hand real high. Yes. 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 Okay. Okay. Put your hands down. There's about five or six. I'm going to ask one more time. If you have raised your hand, you don't need to raise it again. Is there anybody else that wants to join them? Maybe you're in that valley of decision and you're being pulled both ways. Listen, the devil hates your guts. There's nothing he has good for you. If you want this prayer to you, say, Pastor, I need Christ. I want to give my life to him. Lift your hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? All over the place. All right. I don't see any other hands. Those who raise your hand, about five or six of you, I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. We're going to all pray this together. Just pray this. Dear Father God, I come to give my life to you today. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me so that I can be saved. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I don't want anything in my life anymore that is against your will. I want your will and your life in me. Come live in me. Change my life. Make me what you want me to be. For my life is now yours. In Jesus' name. Everybody that raised your hand, I want to just pray this prayer over you. Just receive this. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you, God, to pour out your spirit upon these men and women to raise your hand. Father, God, meet them. God, in a tangible way, let them know the reality of your presence. Right now, God, let your love shower down upon them. Father, free them of what's bound them in the past and let them know the beautiful breath air of, the fresh air of freedom and liberty in Christ. Father, fill them with your Holy Spirit.